Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 110 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Today's show, the play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Hawks, Bob Rathbun, joins in. A great conversation. Glad you guys will be able to listen in. Follow Bob on Twitter and Instagram at Bob Rathbun TV. That's B-O-B-R-A-T-H-B-U-N-T-V. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. The Atlanta Hawks play-by-play voice, Bob Rathbun. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How you feeling today? Thank you. Doing great. Appreciate you having me on. Anytime, anytime. Um, so take us all the way back, man. How'd you get into play-by-play? Oh, gosh. I started when I was 12 years old. Uh, I was on a, on a, you know, a fluke. Uh, I was a kid uh, growing up in Salisbury, North Carolina, and was always in love with radio and always in love with, uh, with sports and called a local radio station. The guy invited me down on a Sunday to uh, – get a tour of the station and it began for me an every Sunday ritual where I would go down and hang out and, you know, help the guy I'd take out the trash and clear the wire and do stuff like that. And then all of a sudden the sports guy showed up one day. So we'll help us broadcast these baseball games. And we were broadcasting American Legion baseball uh, back in the day because it was uh, a great team, state championship team. And the whole town was excited about it. So we broadcast the games and, I got to do a half an inning of the game when I was 12. And I've been doing it ever since. Uh, I, I went to work at that station full-time when I was 19. And I worked uh, – I went to school full-time, and I, I worked at the station full-time. And, and worked there two years past college and ended up going to Norfolk, Virginia for my first big job doing William & Mary football and Old Dominion basketball and AAA baseball. Okay. And then um, – Went to Detroit, and then I've been here in Atlanta since 96, got into TV uh, back in the uh, mid-80s. And uh, so this is what I've been doing my whole life. Yeah, so, you know, I find myself, even when I'm having a conversation, I only, I've only i been podcasting since uh, December 2017. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a podcast, cause, you know, because I do it so much. So for you doing it for over 30 years, do you feel like you're doing play-by-play even when you're not at work? No, not really. Um, okay. I can still, you know, detach myself from it. Um, but you know, you're always preparing, you're always, you know, getting ready for the next game, whether that's in July or January. So, uh, that part of it never goes away, but no, I don't, I don't really feel like, you know, I've I've got the play by play in gear. Uh, it's not like you're at the grocery store and saying the lady in aisle six is you know, <laughs> right. exactly. grabbing the milk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. All right. So 
when you first started with the Hawks, who was playing so I could get an idea of when it was? Oh, gosh. My first season here was 96-97, and we had a great team. Won 56 games. Okay. We had Mookie Blaylock and Steve Smith, Dikembe Mutombo, Ty Corbin, yeah. Christian Leitner, guys like that. Lenny Wilkins was our coach. Had great coach. A, had a great team. Hall, Hall of Famer coach. Yeah, and player. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I really like Steve Smith game. So you were calling that half spin all the time. Oh, yeah. Half spin. Yeah, yeah, that was fact, move. Somebody, somebody the other night used that move. <laughs> I said on the air, he gave him the Smitty. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Smitty. That is a Smitty. So how is it? <laughs> I mean, obviously, you have great chemistry with Dominique Wilkins, the human highlight film. How has it been partnering up with him? Oh, it's been great. You know, Smitty was my partner before Neek. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so I get, okay. I've get i had a chance to work with all my heroes uh, that have played for the Hawks, and um, I've had great partners. Mike Glenn did the games with me, Stinger, for years, and now he does our studio. But I think this is year 11 uh, with Neek okay. and I. So uh, it's wow. been great. You know, the stories are wonderful. And, and, of course, he's such a respected player and Hall of Famer, and everybody comes to pay homage to Neek before every game. You've been broadcasting uh, ACC games for 30 years now? 30 years, yes. You know, right before, so it's probably right before you started broadcasting. Do you remember this funky three-point line they had that went through the lane? Oh, yeah. I Terry, found that so interesting. It that, made Terry Gannon yeah. like a household name. Yeah, I just found it so interesting that one conference could just have a three-point line that just goes right through the top of the key, you know, right through the key. Well, that only lasted, what, two years? Eight yeah, years, not a lot years. of people know about that. Bob. Yeah, not a lot. Of people oh yeah, remember I remember that. that. It was like a high school game. It's ridiculous. Yeah, how was that for spacing? Like, must have not have done the game too good, you know? No, it was. You know, it was. Uh, I mean, the college guys need a shorter line to begin with, but uh, that was ridiculous. I mean, those guys. That was the best conference in the country back then, and, and arguably right. still is. And you know, Definitely. for those guys to to take a, you know, nineteen foot three point shot was kind of kind of crazy. Right. So how much of a challenge is it for you keeping up with the new rules of the college game and also going back and forth between the college and the NBA? Game? Great question. It's my biggest challenge <laughs> because I, I pride myself on, you know, knowing the rules and, and uh, keeping that all straight. So you're right. It's uh, I have to remind myself every night when I go do a college game that we have a different set of rules and a different set right. of circumstances. Uh, inside the game where those rules come into play, particularly with replay um, and uh, team fouls and one-on-ones and all that stuff. So it's a constant shifting uh, when I go back and forth. Um, I've had, I had a college basketball insider of Fox Sports, um, Evan Daniels, on the show, and he believes uniform would be good for a game, more similar rules in the college and NBA game. Obviously, it would make you know, when you go back and forth. But do you think that's a good idea for both leagues? Oh, both, yes. Uh, oh, my goodness. Anybody who does both, and there, there's a few of us that go back and forth, but my goodness, it is just what they're asking college referees to do is beyond ridiculous. Um, make it simpler. They make it harder. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. And, the NCAA tends College to do that. He's a friend of mine, and I, we have this conversation right. all the time. And, and I said, J.D., good Lord, you know, from technical fouls, you know, is it class A, class B? I mean, give oh me God. a break. Two technical fouls and you're out of the game. Be done with it. Right, You know, right. widen the lane. Make it a real game. I mean, 
the college game yeah. is just so encumbered with with all these rules. And I, I swear, I think the biggest reason that they have all the rules that they have is that they refuse to admit that the NBA has built a better mousetrap. FIBA has built a better mousetrap. And they yeah. just won't give in uh, and admit that it's it's a better game it, with the pros. And the guys, the guys want to play it. The coaches want it. But the NCAA just steadfastly refuses, and and I think it hurts college basketball, quite frankly. Right, and it hurts. You know, it's harder to project NBA talent with these uh, funky college rules. You know, like the spacing is just so different. Well, yes, but that even doesn't even enter my mind. You know, I, I want it for the right. good of the game, and we're we're struggling with that, and and um, and I don't know really quite how to fix it. If I had, a, you know, if I was commissioner for a day, uh, what I would do. Uh, but I, I swear that if they could just take the best of the pros, you know, FIBA and NBA, and rewrite the college rule book, just start over. The referees want it. Make it a simpler game to call, and you'll have a better product. Yeah, they just seem to be stubborn. Okay, okay. So in the NBA, right, we got a lot of a lot of fans. What would you say to um, to those that say there's not enough travels called in the NBA? Well, I think first of all, fans need to know the rule. Uh, we've we've done a uh, a really good job this year, I think, from the league to, to the officials to the media, particularly on TV and radio, of explaining to fans what is a travel because it is different than the college game uh in the pros you get two steps after you gather the basketball to shoot pass etc and uh, right. i don't think fans understand that now it looks weird sometimes and these guys are so good and so fast that if you're not paying strict attention it will look like a travel but when you slow the tape down and watch it you'll see that they take two steps after the gather. That counts as step zero. Then you get one, two to pass, shoot, etc. Okay. Uh Cam Reddish, uh, you covered him at Duke uh-huh. and, um, and I know now you're and you're with the Hawks. So what improvements have you seen in his game from the college to now being in the pro level? Well, I think the big thing for Cam is that he's just getting his feet wet. We had to shut him down for uh, 13 weeks over the summer uh, as he recovered from that core muscle injury uh, that he sustained last okay. year. And so he really didn't do much. Uh, obviously missed summer league, uh, did not play hardly at all uh, in the, you know, the pre-camp voluntary phase. And then just got cleared to play when, when the uh, training camp began for the Hawks. So he is just now starting to get a little bit of a feel for it. And he's been on a minutes restriction uh, in these first couple of weeks. But Cam's game is going to come. Uh, you can tell with his length, he's going to be an outstanding defender in this league. And eventually that shot's going to come around. He's got to, I and mean, this is still all new to him and, and really is training camp plus for him uh, because he's, he's going way too fast. Uh, he hasn't learned the pace of the game yet hasn't learned how to slow down, make the defense pay, all that stuff. And it will come. And he's he's getting yeah. a ton of minutes, so it'll come a little faster for him. But I wouldn't expect to see much out of Cam uh, these first 20 games. 
Yeah, he has a good looking jump shot, so I'm sure it'll fall uh-huh. eventually. Um, he obviously has, now he obviously has all the resources he needs to work on his jump shot. It's all there for him, so I'm sure it'll definitely work. No out. question. All right, Trey Young, what has he meant for Atlanta basketball? Oh gosh, he's meant everything. Um, he is the he's probably going to be the the star out of this young group yeah. that drives this franchise uh, for the next several years. Uh, you know, came in. Uh, obviously, much ballyhooed the trade uh, with Luca, uh, all that, uh, and I yeah. think the one thing that has sort of been unfair is that you know he missed ten of his first eleven shots in summer league, and all of a sudden the media and fans, well, he's a bust. I'm like, what are Whoa. you talking about? And and yeah. then, you know, the season began uh, last year. He started off, had a couple of good games in October, then really struggled in November. And here it comes again. Well, this guy's a bust. Well, got a little bit better in December, got better in January, and his second-half numbers were terrific. He shot the ball well, cut down on his turnovers, averaged 20 and 10 after the All-Star break, uh, was magnificent. And has started this season like a house of fire. You know, had the two thirty high thirty point games back to back to start the season, player of the week, et cetera. And was just on fire. And then of course he he uh, twisted his ankle a couple of games ago and yeah. had to sit out. But I think he means everything to us. I mean, kids love him. Uh, right. They can oh relate my to gosh, him. you know, yeah, smaller guy. Little guy yeah. out there and um, you know, he's he's fan friendly. Loves the limelight, uh, terrific talent. You know, despite all the attention, uh, I think well-grounded, really impressive young kid, and I think the, the sky's the limit for him. And as we get better pieces around him, uh, his magnificence in passing the basketball will become even more apparent. You know, he's not Steph Curry. Uh, if he's anybody, yeah. he's more like Steve Nash than anybody else. But once we get him surrounded with great talent and all they have to do is cut and run to get open, he'll deliver the basketball and he's going to make guys' life really easy to score. Yeah, you spoke to Steph Curry. I think he's even a better passer than, than uh, Steph Curry. Yeah, he may very well be. I mean, the kid's got eyes yeah. in the back of his head. and uh, How he can find people at his size, because you know he doesn't see them, but he just has that sixth sense of knowing where they are. Yeah. Uh, is remarkable. Uh, I mean, yeah. every night he gets seven, eight, nine assists, and nobody talks about it. That, you know, I did watch him in summer league, and I spoke to his struggles a little bit. But the one thing I did notice was how, like, how great his vision was, and also what I did notice being there was what a great teammate he was. Like when he wasn't playing, he was clapping for his teammates on the bench, and I was real. That's what really impressed me. Here's something to watch with Cam, uh, with excuse me, with Trey, and he'll make a pass to Cam, or he'll make a pass to John Collins and they go up for a dunk, he will jump with them. Wow. Just watch yeah, so it. excited for yeah. his teammates. And yeah. he will – right when they get ready to dunk, he will jump with them because he gets so fired up for their success. And that is just a, just a great thing to watch. And he's very in tune with the team success, uh, making his teammates better. Uh, it's been fun to watch. And he's not even approached uh, how good he's going to be. Definitely. Still young. That's amazing to have that kind of effect on a team. Yeah. Yeah. So 
30 years in the ACC. Um, you know, the team that sticks out to me was that Duke team, Jay Williams, Carlos Boozer, Shane Battier. Uh, what team stuck out to you? What do you feel like the greatest ACC team you saw play over your 30 years? Boy, that's a great question. Uh, because I grew up in North Carolina and been going to games forever, I will take you back to the Maryland NC State heyday. Uh, the David Thompson okay. uh, NC State club that won the national championship. Uh, the Jordan James Worthy, right? Or was that, that was before you? Oh, no, that was after. That was after this. This was, this was Lenny Elmore, okay. Tom Burleson, John Lucas at Maryland. Uh, the greatest right. ACC championship game ever played when State beat Maryland 103 to 100 okay. in overtime. Uh, the greatest ACC game ever played. Uh, nothing will top that because back in those days, only the conference champion went to the NCAA tournament. And people today just can't get their arms around that being the way things were back then. Um, the pressure in that game, I, I was in the Greensboro Coliseum that night. Uh, the pressure on those two teams to win was mind-boggling. And even, you know, you could, you could sense it a little bit like last year when the national championship game goes to overtime. It's sort of kind of what it was like. But you had this night two of the three best teams in the country playing, and only one was going to survive. The third team, of course, was UCLA, the team that, NC State beat in the national semifinals to to ultimately go on to win the championship. But it was so incredible, that game, low turnovers, high shooting percentage with everything on the line. I've never seen anything like it. So what did you say? You know, the one and done wasn't a thing back then, going straight from high school. Hey, freshman couldn't play. Forget one and done. (laughs) (laughs) So do you feel like the talent level was a lot higher back then because of that? Well, I don't. I wouldn't know about that. Um, what's different okay. is the guys stayed three and four years, and so yeah. you had ready-made players going into the NBA. And you, and that's and that's conducive to winning basketball when you have a team stay together for three, four years. Oh you know? yeah, no question. And for the yeah. for the guys who are good enough to go to the pros, you know, you got a ready-made player like Dominique Wilkins. You know, we talked about our relationship. Right. Well, he played three years at Georgia. And when was playing from the time he was a senior in high school, he was playing pickup games against Magic Johnson and all these people. Uh, so his game became so much more elevated, so much quicker than the guys today. So when he came into the pros, he just hit the ground running. You know, you don't have uh, today guys that are three and four years. And I'll give you an example on our team. And that's, that's, uh, DeAndre Hunter, who was a three-year man at Virginia. Now, he redshirted, you know, his first year and then played two. But the maturity with which he comes into the NBA is astounding. He looks like – he reminds me when Al Horford came to us after winning two national championships in Florida. Very mature, time to go to work, shake your hand, hi, how are you, let's go to work. I mean, it was like, wow, who is this? And Hunter is the same type of player. Uh, now, has he got a learning curve? Of course. But his defensive principles, the way he moves, guard anybody on the floor practically, uh, what, a, what a joy to watch. But you get a guy who's had 
two, three years in a disciplined system at Virginia, and he's ready to play the pros. That definitely helps when you have that college experience coming into the pros. I mean, we remember all the guys that do great their first year, but there's also a lot of struggling when you don't have oh, that yeah. college experience. I mean, we're still teaching these guys the game of basketball. Uh, you know, yeah. that, you know, this is high-stakes ball. Uh, th- this is professional basketball. And if you don't have yes. a great – not a good, a great developmental staff to nurture these kids and bring them along as quickly as you can, you're missing the boat. Uh, and I think you, if you notice the teams that consistently win, they've got a great player development program. Player development is everything. And I think they need to do a better job of that at the college level, and that'll help. Well, I, I think they would if they could, but you've got a 20-hour yeah. week. That's true. And that's it. And and those teams, I was listening to an interview with Tom Izzo the other day, and he was talking about how they have to watch that to the second. And they've got people watching them watch it to a second. How are you going to get better? If you know that you come in on your own, of course, you know, the guy, the player can go into the gym and get shots up, but that, you know, in the pros, that's all we do. Um, you know, everybody has. The, they need to change that. Yeah, they should change I, I, that. of course. I mean, it is just another yeah. part of this NCAA control freakism uh, that, yes. that guards everything in the game. You know, like like Coach K was saying, uh, and he said this for years. Like, if you wanted to go to somebody to change it in in college basketball, who would you go to? Who would you talk to? So we'd like to implement these changes in our game. There is no commissioner of NCAA basketball. There is no no one in charge. You got to take it to the full NCAA committee. Well, good luck, you know, dealing with, yeah. with those people and getting anything done. Definitely. All right. 30 years ACC uh, play-by-play, Atlanta Hawks play-by-play, but you also, you're also you also author. You're a motivational speaker. Um, tell me more about your book, man, The Fast Forward sure. Winner. Well, thank you for asking. You know, I yeah. think all play-by-play guys are get asked over the years to do a lot of public speaking. You know, whether we MC, okay. you know, the awards banquet or with a guest speaker at a luncheon, whatever. And I've been doing this gig for so long that naturally that stuff yeah. has come my way. And one of the things that right. uh, I was lucky enough to do when I was here in Atlanta was I hooked up with an author named John Maxwell, who is one of the most prolific business authors uh, motivational speakers uh, I've ever seen. Uh, the guy is just amazing. Uh, if you just go walk into any bookstore and, and look in the motivational section and you'll see 10 John Maxwell books. I mean, he is just great. Well, he had a speaker's bureau and uh, he was kind enough to let me come on board and, and speak and use his material, etc. And in all that speaking, I was also asked a lot to speak to schools, to career day and uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and a lot of kids would come up to me and say, hey, I want to be a sportscaster and I want to do what you do. And I didn't have anything to really hand them, to give them, to say, here, do this. Uh, this will help. Yeah. So I wrote this book called The Fast Forward Winner. And it's basically a six-step process that will, for a young person, and, and young doesn't mean high school or college. It could be, you know, young adult. Uh if you've got a goal or you got a dream or there's something you'd like to do, you could follow these six steps 
from discovering what it is inside you to putting a plan together to make it happen to going out and getting help with mentors, et cetera, and then eventually taking it to the marketplace. That's what the Fast Forward Winter is all about. And I lecture on this, and I speak around the country about it. And uh, we've got quite a few success stories I'm happy to tell you about. And uh, it's, been, it's been really rewarding. Uh, and it was nothing more, really, than just my life story. You know, how I got started uh, when I was 12 in North Carolina and the things that I did, the mistakes that I made, um, how I got better and all of that. And uh, it's all contained in that book. That's awesome, Bob. Um, it was a great conversation with you. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Well, most nights on Fox Sports Southeast on the league, uh, <laughs> the, the uh, app, you know, <laughs> League Pass. <laughs> I'm there every night. Uh, but I know what you mean. I, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Bob Rathbun TV. Uh, you can always contact me through my website, BobRathbun.com. Uh, be happy to talk to you. Drop me a line, Bob at BobRathbun.com. Um, love to talk to fans. You can talk about basketball or anything. Love to hear from you. And thanks. And uh, you're on Instagram as well. Thanks for your support on Instagram. Yes, I, really I enjoy you, your posts. It's terrific. <laughs> thanks, Bob. Much appreciated. You're always welcome well, back thank on the show. you so much. And, uh, and all the best and, and happy basketball. Thank you for listening to episode 110 of Combo's Court. Big shouts to Bob for joining in. We appreciate you. Go leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app. If you listen to this episode in its entirety, take a screenshot, post it on your IG stories, tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. I'll repost it. Be on the lookout for episode 111. Combo out.